Are you finding that some team members are not connecting with their roles, responsibilities, and results quite the way that you would like? Stay tuned for how to help people increase their ownership over their role. Hi, Shannon Waller here, and welcome to Team Success. I want to talk about something that I've found has come up in a couple of different conversations with team leaders about some somewhat new team members, and that is the need to take ownership over a particular role, over a particular project, over a particular result. And obviously, this has come up because there was a bit of a lack of taking ownership. This is one of our crucial characteristics of having an entrepreneurial attitude of a successful mindset and successful behavior for really great team members. So there really are two perspectives here. One, if you are an entrepreneurial team member, you know, this is listen for what could be some really good coaching in terms of making sure you're truly fully engaged, not just intellectually, but in every other part of you. And then also if you're a leader. So if you're having team members and you're like, hmm, okay, are they engaged at all of the levels that I want them to be? And this really is about engagement, but it gets very tangible. So this is what we're going to be exploring today. So one of the things I've noticed is that particularly if I even just use an example of when someone's applying for a new role. So you filled out the job description. Hopefully it's somewhat tangible in terms of not just the qualifications someone needs to have, but also exactly what's expected of them. So this is years and years and years ago, I came up with something called a results-oriented job description, which is not just what people are doing, but the result of what they were doing. I need to kind of go back and revisit and recreate that because often people are just focused on the activities. For example, a receptionist answered the phone. Everyone thinks they know what that means. Well, what if the result is actually, you know, answer the phone within two rings with a smile and they get to their destination of the person or the person's voicemail within 30 seconds? Mm, that's the result we're looking for, not just answer the phone. So, you know, that whole idea of what exactly is required is key. And why I think this is more compelling is because really what I'm noticing is that people take intellectual ownership of things. And this is kind of the level that often happens in hiring and the beginning training phase with folks is that we talk about kind of the cognitive level. So what are you expected to know? What are you expected to learn? Often there's a learning curve somewhat steep at the very beginning because there's so many new things. You know, everything from, you know, what project management system are you using? You know, do you have your right Zoom account? Who's who? Who does what? Who do you go to for all the things? So there's a steep learning curve in terms of the company, in terms of the specific role. So it's very much focused on the intellectual side or cognitive side. But what I notice sometimes is missing is that emotional engagement and that, to use a Colby term, conative level. And this is where, you know, someone needs to really care. And they need to not care just about showing up, you know, and doing the role, but they need to care about the end result. And then they need to engage their will, their striving. And I love the fact that in the Colby creative process, that really it starts with how much people care. Your striving instincts don't kick in if you're not striving, if you don't care about that particular thing. So if someone has a ton of mental energy for fact-finding and specifics and details, but they don't care about that particular topic, there's no research happening. There's no analysis. There's no nothing. So that caring is so critical to engaging everyone's full use of talents, not just their brains. So kind of how I think this can 
parlay. It goes into how you hire and how you train and how you manage. So when you are looking for someone, don't just put the intellectual requirements in terms of their education, their skill background, what programs they know, et cetera, but also say it's critical that you care about who our clientele are, the results we're putting out into the world, the impact that we want to have. It's really important that you care about your fellow team members. So really specify you know, what's important from a value standpoint, that's going to be important. And then obviously you also want to communicate how you want this person to problem solve and strive. So one of the things I love in the Colby bottom lines guide, which is available from Colby, or if you're in coach, it's one of the materials we give you about Colby. Happy to provide that is what it does. It kind of lays out words that describe how people are striving depending on what Colby you're looking for in a role. So don't just look at the intellectual as my bottom line communication here. Make sure that you put the values and also how you were looking for people to take action because that's really what work is about. We're all taking action. We're all problem solving. We're all making things happen. It's not just an intellectual exercise. That's kind of in the hiring process. Now let's talk about when someone is actually working with you. And this is interesting because you know, we can hire some really smart people who present beautifully, who are really interesting, neat people to get to know. Yes, I'm thinking of a person right now, but sometimes they don't quite show up as we need them to. Mm, well, then what's going on then? And one of the things I've realized, and this is true in lots of different aspects of teamwork, is when people are looking for a particular role, they're looking at it from the perspective of they want that title. They want to be seen as someone with those responsibilities. They're almost looking at it from an outside perspective and how will other people see them rather than what is actually required to deliver a phenomenal result in that role with that project. So it's important here to take it from the external perspective to the internal. So you want to be an account manager. Okay, that's great. And I, oh my gosh, coached this one team where everyone wanted to be an account manager because that was sort of the glamorous role. Very few people had the talents, the strengths, and the personality to do that role. When I checked back with that team six months later, they'd had a 50% turnover. And I wasn't surprised because none of them had their, what it took to deliver on that role. Everyone wanted the title, didn't want to actually do the work that way. That wasn't what they were best suited for, but they were seduced by the title. Let's try and avoid that. That's why I really abhor certain bureaucratic or corporate type titles for entrepreneurial organizations. I much, much, much prefer unique ability titles. Way more interesting way more fun. I did not come up with this. Someone else did. You know, when reception is really the director of first impressions, love that story. <laughs> that, that's a results-oriented job title, you know, not just receptionist. That's really what I'm talking about here is that you have to make sure that people connect with what is really, really required. And that can be more challenging because we kind of assume that other people know what's in our head. Chip and Dan Heath call this curse of knowledge. Just imagine someone tapping out a rhythm of a song and this song is super clear in their head and they're completely confused as to why you don't understand the song <laughs> that they can hear so clearly in their head and they're tapping out the rhythm. You're like, I have no idea what song that is. You know, that's cursive knowledge. When it's so intrinsic for us, we think it's immediately intuitive or instinctive for other people and it's not. So we assume, and everyone knows from third grade that... <laughs> Assuming is dangerous because it makes an ASS out of you and me. 
which is so true. So we can't assume that people understand what we mean. So really spelling it out is how you can take action to prevent this from happening. Because we need to get it out of the intellectual understanding and into the actual feeling and doing parts of people. And it's critical that they're passionate. It's critical that they're passionate about getting a great result, serving that particular audience, making sure that people are really well taken care of, that system is really well executed upon. It's critical so that they care about your company overall. It's critical they care about you. So making sure that they have that emotional connection, again, not just intellectual, but emotional connection, and that finally they engage their will, you know, that they will strive to produce these results. If we neglect focusing in on these aspects, we will probably not have a successful person in that role. We will be constantly frustrated. And the danger of this is that, you know, we've wanted to in our terminology at Coach, who ourselves up or free ourselves up by leveraging, you know, ourselves by having someone else talented show up in that role. If that person is not fulfilling it in all of those levels, if they're only intellectually engaged but not emotionally or cognitively, they're not striving, we are not leveraged. And at that point, you are doing your role and you're double-checking the other person because probably they're missing some bits that you, because you were fully engaged in that role, you know, you were delivering on that and they're not seeing it from that same perspective. And then you're doing double the work. You're paying two people for <laughs> one person's work. It's inefficient all the way around. And you're going to be frustrated. And then that creates scar tissue when you go to hire somebody else. And then you're like, fine, I can just do it better myself, becomes the thinking. So then you default back to being a rugged individual, which we want to avoid. We want to help leverage you into unique ability teamwork. So what is it that we all can do? And again, if you're a team member in a role, you want to ask these questions. If you're a leader, then you want to make sure you give this information. So let's make sure we're doing everything we can to help people not only be intellectually engaged, but also emotionally with their hearts and instinctively with their guts, as I like to say. You want to engage their will. This is key. So one of the things you can do, and this comes out of one of our tools called the 4 by 4 at Coach, which is... Really, it's just a fun eight and a half by 11 page. And on it, you specify, you know, performance. So we like to put it in terms of alert, curious, responsive, and resourceful. So what do you want this person to be alert to in this role? It's kind of an overall way of doing a job description. What is it that you want them to be curious about? What is it that you want them to be responsive to? And how do you want them to be resourceful? I love the word resourceful. And this really comes out of the book Top Grading. At one point, the number one characteristic of an A player in top grading is resourcefulness. And I have found this to be a brilliant, brilliant coaching point. I've mentioned it before. And I know when I get stuck at something, I actually use this question, how can I be more resourceful about this to get unstuck? And guess what? It works. All of a sudden, I start thinking about people I could talk to, what I could Google, what did I already know, where's a resource that I could go tap into, because if I didn't know, I could just stop there. But the question, how can I be more resourceful, is a great prompt to think about, oh, okay, what else do I know? Who else do I know that I could bring to bear to solve this problem? So that, I just love alert, curious, responsive, resourceful. So that's kind of performance, and you can be very specific in that particular role. So it's going to be different between, you know, Gord Vickman, who's our fabulous podcast manager. What he's being alert, curious, responsive, resourceful about is different than what our onboarding specialist, Melissa, is being alert, curious, responsive, resourceful about. So they're very distinct based on what role someone is taking. Then there's results. I'm a big fan of results. 
This is why I love being part of an entrepreneurial organization as opposed to a corporate one is because the focus on results. The proof is in the pudding. And we're always striving to have things be faster, easier, cheaper, with a bigger result. Bam, that's exciting. So you want to really specify, you know, in this role, here's what we're looking at speeding up. How can you make it faster? How can you make it easier? So one is saving time. The other one is saving effort. Oh my gosh, if we could make things easier, that's a really good thing. Both of those things are dramatic increases in productivity. Yes. All right, so those are good. Cheaper, that means, again, less time often results in savings. Can we do it more efficiently? Also savings. So cheaper is always good, getting the same quality result or better. And then finally with a bigger result. So I like to do bigger, better, however you want to quantify that. But bigger is exciting. It's like, okay, how can we have a bigger impact? And I love those four results criteria because it means that you're driving effective change. So you're not just with the status quo, you're always looking for efficiencies. You're always looking for how to make it better, which I think is how entrepreneurial companies grow. And there's always lots of room for small incremental tweaks, sometimes some bigger transformations. Those are great criteria to be able to go, oh, how can we do this faster, easier, cheaper, and bigger? If you can do all four with an improvement, Again, bam, <laughs> that's awesome. And then the next part of our four by four is simply, you know, how can this person be a hero to you? And this, I love it because I think it's another way of describing what's the result of the role. So not just the activities and what you're doing, but what is the result? The result is that you are freed up. How can they be a hero to you? This goes away. They handle it. You don't have to go and do any back checking or, you know, making sure that things got handled. Things get off your plate. You get leveraged and freed up X number of hours per week. Like be concrete, be tangible as you articulate how this person can be a hero. And the right kind of person will always want to be a hero to you, to the company, to your clientele. You know, that's what you're looking for. Just even that one section of how they can be a hero to you is just enormous. And the other thing is, if you are a team member listening to this, you think, okay, I don't actually know how I can be a hero. I would like to be a hero. Good. Go ask that question. It's a brilliant question to ask. How can I be a hero to you in this role? What does being a hero look like? Well, that's a thought-provoking question. I love it. And that's going to involve a wonderful conversation. So that's a great one. Now, the last part of the four by four, super critical. I totally enjoy how Dan talks about this. Basically, it's what drives me crazy. <laughs> so this is how not to drive the person you're working with crazy. And by the way, this is how someone can drive you crazy if they're working for you. Very important for them to know. So in other words, there's 12 ways that they can win, four ways that they can fail. So this is incredibly instructive. This is kind of the line around, you know, how not to trigger you, if you think about it that way. This is such useful information. Everyone we've shared this with and all the hires that we've shared this with are like, oh, this is so good to know. It's how not to get into trouble. Who doesn't need to know that? And not doing that, actually, if we, if we don't communicate what drives us crazy, we're not taking care of our team. And they can trigger us and we get triggered and you could have a fabulous team member, but they do one thing that drives you crazy and you're so tempted to fire them like right now. And I've heard so many stories. So please don't do that. Please educate people as to how they can drive you crazy. Now, if you communicate that and they still drive you crazy, sure, you might have grounds for that conversation, but not telling them and having them just step in it by accident. Mm, 
you could do a better job of providing leadership and direction. And again, team members ask, hey, everyone has things that drive them crazy. What drives you crazy when team members do this? You know, for Dan, and I've actually borrowed it for mine too, it's when things go into a black hole when they're going to the abyss and you don't know what's happening. So not closing open files, not communicating when people are stuck in projects, not knowing what's happening with projects. Like, is it done? Is it stalled? Does it completely fall off the radar screen? Human beings, all of us, when we don't have enough information, default to negative. So with a lack of information, we assume the worst. So not knowing is brutal for all of us. Our brains are wired that way. They're designed to protect us and keep us alive. That means that we assume the worst a lot of times, even, even when our lives are not, not threatened. We feel threatened when we don't know what's going on. So just keeping people informed is critical. So really communicating what drives you crazy is good or finding out what drives the person you're working with crazy is super helpful. I actually think this would be a great client conversation. It would help us have better client relationships as well. So I just wanted to give you some ideas about how to communicate to really help people understand the full result of what it is that you're looking for in this role. One of the other strategies, I was coaching someone on this yesterday and it came to mind, I haven't thought of it for a while, is to really give someone, you know, you can do this when you're hiring, you can do it just after, is to give someone an exact example of what the role requires. So example, I was talking with someone who is opening up a new leadership position and there's a couple of different candidates. It's not immediately clear who would be the right fit. I'm like, well, design a little exercise where it's like, you know, here are things you will be handling in this role. And the example that I was trained on, there were more things on that list to do in half an hour than could be done. So you had to prioritize. So whatever task list it is, you say, how would you handle a situation? How would you handle a team conflict? How would you handle a client issue? How would you handle a breakdown with technology? And you give specific examples so the person gets educated in what's required. And then what's interesting about that is sometimes they go, oh, I thought the job was this. If it's actually that, I'm not interested. <laughs> that is not the kind of problems I want to be solving. That's super helpful. For an example of how we do this at Strategic Coach, we have all of our new potential coaches do an audition. It's a whole lengthy process, but one of the key steps is we give them something to coach. So for example, the entrepreneurial time system, there's literally... I mean, now we would be doing it on Zoom, but we usually do it in person. So the team sits in. We have our name tag with our name. We have a profession that's not like I would be a dentist, for example. And we have that person experience what it's like to coach people. It's fascinating because we've had a bunch of different results. We've had some people go, oh my gosh, this was so much fun. I cannot wait. You know, so it's like this just totally clicked for them. Well, the opposite circumstances, we had someone go, that was so much harder than I thought. I don't think I want to be a coach anymore. <laughs> and we were like, good, because we kind of agree with you. <laughs> so they thought it was one thing, but when they actually went through the experience when it was 360 degrees, you know, they realized, oh, this is not what I thought it was. So the more you can provide those examples for people, the more they get to actually become self-aware as to whether or not it's the right fit for them. And I think that's a very contributing thing to do for someone. I think when we don't provide enough information or context in terms of what's expected for how they can be successful, we're certainly not serving them. We're also not serving the result we're after in the organization. So the more you can make it real 
for people and help them connect intellectually, emotionally, and cognitively striving the better. And then you're going to be leveraged the way that you want to be leveraged and they will be successful in the way you want them to be successful. But I'm seeing that something is missing where we only provide the intellectual framework and we can get some great people, but they never fully click in. And there's a massive missed opportunity that hopefully with some of the steps that I've talked about today, you can go, oh, okay, this is what I can do to increase this engagement and increase the emotional ownership for this person and help them be a raving success in the role because that's what we all want. We want them to be amazing at it. We want them to do a better job than we ever did because then that frees us up to do our next thing. And so anyone in that role wants to be a raving success as well. They just may not be fully equipped to understand that. Now, I will say, <laughs> in the spirit of what I've learned, if you do provide all of this information and the person still does not deliver, they are probably a wrong fit for the role. So don't bend over backwards. Give people amount of information enough for them to grab onto and run with it. But if you load them up and they still don't run with it, that's not a right fit. So I don't want you doing all the work. This is a partnership. This is a teamwork. You know, pass over the baton, but make sure they grab it and run. Make sure they don't drop it because some of that responsibility is definitely on them. It's not all on you. So I want to make sure I set the appropriate context here. If it takes longer than three or six months for someone to really grasp what the role is about and be successful in it, you kind of need to revisit the whole picture. So just want to make sure I'm not sentencing you to two years of trying to get someone to grasp what's needed. It's three to six months. Obviously, they'll keep getting better and keep growing. But at that point, you will know and you need to trust your instincts on that. Okay. Hopefully, this conversation has inspired you to really connect on all three levels for yourself and what you're up to, and also given you a really good context for when you are hiring or training people to make sure you're not just giving them the intellectual framework, but also the emotional and the cognitive one. Thank you very much for listening. If you have any questions or comments, please let me know at questions at strategiccoach.com. And as always, here's to your team success. Mm-hmm.